Hello and welcome to Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. Our goal at Owl Pellets is to help agriculture teachers like you find research-based solutions to the problems you face every day in the middle and high school classroom and as you advise your FFA chapters. Here you will find practical tips for your agriculture classroom and interesting information to incorporate into your teaching. We invite the best agricultural education faculty and researchers from around the country to come and talk with us and share what they have learned. The Owl Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders from the University of Arkansas, Marshall Baker from North Carolina State University, and me, Brian Myers from the University of Florida. For more information on Owl Pellets, please be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And visit our webpage at owlpelletsfrag.wordpress.com. Hey, Owl Pellets, this is Brian and Kate. We are here in beautiful San Antonio, Texas. You've got I'm not being here. Marshall is actually here with us this time. He does exist. He is not a figment of our imagination. Marshall Baker is with us in, in this audience as well. Um, so we are. In, I'm so excited that we are here in San Antonio at the NAAE conference. We have a room full of expert ag teachers, the folks that have all the answers, while Marshall and Kate and I have all the questions. And so today we are going to be talking about inclusion. Um, we thought we'd start with an easy topic today. You know, inclusion. We'll probably have this solved in the first five minutes, and the rest of the time we'll, we can play cards or something. I'm pretty sure. Um, but we've got a room full of folks here that are going to be talking to us, and they're going to, from around the country, I know a lot of folks here, I saw folks from Washington, from Texas, from Indiana, from, from uh, Minnesota, from Iowa, Florida, all kinds of places here, so we can talk about this particular topic. And so, um, when we're going to look at inclusion, the big question is, what are we doing, and who are we missing in agricultural education and FFA when we talk about inclusion? Kate Shoulders, give us the answer. Well, I don't know. You said I have questions. Oh. I have a bunch of questions. What's your question? So, um, I'm going to look around the room for just a moment. And we're missing some folks. Who are we missing? Minorities. Yeah. yeah, racial minorities, I think, in the room is what we're, we're I mean, just off the bat noticing. I don't know if anyone noticed yesterday, if you were at the AGED Summit, so I know a few of us mentioned this. Um, we, it was a really fantastic conversation by a, a very um, dynamic, impactful group of leaders who all happen to be Caucasian men. And you look around the audience, and it was much more diverse. And so I think, um, I, don't, I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone that said like, no, we don't need to be more diverse, we don't need to be more inclusive. The problem is actually making it happen. So I would be curious, what do we think the barriers are? When we all say we value it and we all can do the lip service that says, yeah, that's something that we need to focus on, what's keeping us from being able to actually make change there? I, I can think of my own personal experiences where I ended up somewhere and thought, whoop. So I'm curious, what do you think is keeping us from being able to do something? Well, I think, for me, even when we looked at research, a lot of studies have been done. I taught at an inner city school in downtown Indianapolis, um, and I wanted my students more than anything. Um, I taught with Robert Moses, who had worked at the Star Academy, and so 
I was excited to be a part of an inner city program and get them involved in ag education. One of the struggles I had is research tells us that a lot of minorities, for different reasons, um, aren't as interested in agriculture as a profession. So when the main tenant of our, of our organization is agriculture, I think that's one barrier. And we've seen that, like a lot of research in colleges of agriculture. Colleges of agriculture face some of the same challenges that we face in ag education. So we see a lot of research confirming the problem, which means, you know, I can see that when you start to find the roots of the problem, it gets complex fast. But I can see a lot of the same issues in areas of agriculture, which a lot of people have talked about and confirmed. But, you know, my students at inner city Indianapolis, just culturally, the way things worked at the national convention was odd to them. They felt out of place at the national convention. Um, they weren't interested in the careers that were offered in the curriculum that I was trying to use with ag education. They were interested in other careers. And so that's one of the challenges that I've seen is, is agriculture as a whole, I think, has got to demonstrate, you know, there, there's diversity and there's inclusion. And so you've got to know the difference. I think those two words are different. I think we can bring a lot of diverse people to the table and I think we do that well in ag education. But my question would be, are we, it's not diversity and inclusion, that's diversity. If we can bring people to the table that have diverse thoughts. But then there's the inclusion component of, are all of those different voices being included and valued? And you talk about the, the people that are leading a lot of the big conversations, um, they are typically pretty homogenous. So I think you've got those two issues, one of diversity, and then two of inclusion. Um, so I think for me, those are the challenges that I see people have identified, some of them anyway. I think we talk a lot about ag literacy, and I think that's a huge area in which a lot of, a lot of people don't understand. And I, I hear it as a, a trademark statement through the ag uh, program and FFA that we're no longer plow sows and cows, but there's still a lot of that. And and putting new programs in inner urban schools or you know in, in a different scenario rather than rural field is just kind of still a breaking point. And so with that, I think it comes along the lines of who who are kind of being included. Um, yeah, I am. I'm from a pretty small school. You know, I have 85 in my chapter, but I've always had. Uh, students of color mm -hmm. and those students have really risen to the top uh, because there were opportunities there and they and I'm talking non-traditional non-ag kids that have come to the top because of leadership and the capabilities and those kind of things and and didn't have a lot of ag background but then bought in and and understood that once that literacy became apparent so I think that's still something that's just kind of a breaking point Maybe they don't come in because they don't know, you know, really what all of the campus. Right, but Cameron, I know you have focused quite a bit on aspects within your program that do provide some more inclusive thoughts about what ag is. So, um, Carolyn was one of our owls in action when we first started that, and um, you've got a food truck, right? Where and it kind of goes all the way from production to the selling marketing. Um, everybody eats. Yes. So, so some of that more inclusive curriculum, I think, certainly helps because it can draw from the interests of just about everybody. And that's what we generally will say. I say, you know, this is inclusive for everybody in, in the media. Everybody's going to eat. And when and then I throw the 2050 out, you know, I just wear that out about the 9.64 billion.
billion people and they all know that factor, but I said, you're gonna have to feed these other people if they're not in this room. And so then everybody has an identity, everybody has a part. I think we need to be hungry about learning people's stories. Um, I, I know I look like a white Caucasian person. My first language was Spanish. Uh, I'm a Hispanic white male. Uh, my mom uh, is from Puerto Rico. And, um, and my twin brother is a, a totally different race than I. Um, so I come from a multicultural background. But it's amazing how some people are much more willing to engage in conversations about inclusion, diversity, you know, with me, even though I'm like, with my twin brother, they aren't willing to engage necessarily in that same type of conversation. Being able to see that, witness that right in front of me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what's 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 different about us two, other than the color of our skin? Uh, we're almost the same, you know, bi we're same biological parents, you know, and, and to still see that. So. I think that's interesting. I have two students in my classroom this year who are not native English speakers and just started learning Spanish within the last year. Um, and it's a challenge, and one of the emails I got from our secretary at the middle school said, hey girl, how's your Spanish? And I was like, it's not good. <laughs> but um, we use translators, and it's really fun to see how my students um, are really interested in, they ask one of the boys just crazy questions, and I'm like, those aren't relevant, but she doesn't know, and so my students are learning how to be more inclusive and understand different ethnicities and different cultures that they don't get typically in probably in what would typically be my classroom in the past five years. But this year offers a little bit different diversity. And I appreciated that about National Athletic Retirement addresses from the officers. Um, and we talked about those. Uh, we watched all of them and we really had good in-depth conversations of how do we really include everyone. Um, and I would say typically it's not something I have done well in my classroom. Uh, but this year, because I've had that challenge, it's been something that's been an easier challenge to address and kind of work through, and I think it's been good for me especially, but also for my students. See, I've kind of um, been thinking about that aspect quite a bit. Uh, I don't know if you guys are fans of The Office, but I feel like anytime I try to be like actively inclusive, I end up a little bit more like Michael Scott, <laughs> and I'm really worried about stepping in it, right? And um, so I started as a little bit of a social experiment to help with my own ability to be more inclusive, um, I've joined like some random Facebook groups that I've seen through other things that have absolutely nothing to do with me or my interests and I just like fly on the wall. And um, like I'm in one for uh, LGBTQ students and um, watching how they talk and the things that frustrate them that I would not have thought. Because I originally thought like, I'm gonna ask all kinds of questions. Like what does this mean? What does this do? And then I saw someone else do that, thankfully. I was quiet long enough to like watch this occur. And the administrator come on, came on and said, look, they're here for support. They're not here to be your tour guide to their lifestyle. And I thought, ooh, I think I've been using that as an opportunity in class to educate up. Right, you're my token minority. Tell us about your culture. That's not their job, right? That's not what they're there for. They're there to learn about agriculture. And so it made me think a little bit more about what do I need to do background-wise to make sure that I can be inclusive without making them the tour guide for the rest of the class? This is their class, too. That is really, really hard to do. And just one thing, if you look, uh, we have an infographic that we handed out to the body, and on there we, we highlighted one piece of research that um, this diversity-inclusive program model, and one of the things that really stuck out to me with, with this kind of goes with what Kate was talking about, 
was this inclusive classroom culture and trying to create that. Because I go back and I can think of the times that, you know, you would have asked me when I was teaching high school out in Illinois or doing my classes now, I'm like, yeah, I'm inclusive, I'm not, you know, whatever. But I, I can go back and I can think now of things that I did, the way our classroom was set up, the way that we did programs now that would not have been as welcoming to, to all, all persons to do that. And I think that's one of the, the biggest things that we can do and think about that. And so I, I guess as we're trying to, to create this inclusive culture, and that culture is so important, I think, of, of your classrooms, how do we do that? What are the things so that we don't end up turning to those, those individual students and turn them into the tour guide or uh, create a, an unsafe, you know, make them feel uncomfortable where they're out trying to be the spokesperson, where they're just trying to get being a middle schooler and a high schooler are hard enough. I mean, people ask, oh, high school was a great time. Don't you want to go back to high school? No, not on your life. You know, you're especially in middle school, you're getting all tingly in places and things aren't working. And you're like, I don't know what to do. So there's no way. So how do we create this culture? Oh, middle school teacher, God bless your heart. Um, so how do we create this culture that is, as, as the definition talks about here, is able to engage all learners actively? in education. I think that's what we're supposed to be doing. How do we engage them actively and feel like that is their home? Because we talked about yesterday that so often students feel like the ag classroom is their home base. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, there's a group of students that is important, important students that don't feel like ag is their home base. So how do we do that? Well, it's, it's tricky because <clears throat> as a junior high principal, I always struggled with this. I wanted to make sure that every student could build self-efficacy in my school. So as a principal, I wasn't thinking about ag education. Ag education was one of many components in my school that we utilized to connect and engage students. Students came to school for a lot of different reasons, and there were little groups and micro um, cultures within my junior high. So I always struggled with this idea of, you know, how do you balance the concept of we've got to bring all of these people to ag. And then when I think about myself as an ag teacher, I really was, I was trying to be as inclusive. I wanted everyone to come to my program. Um, but then also you've got school systems where for some people, um, there are other homes that serve that, that purpose. And so I'm always struggling. Like when you look at agriculture, we don't see a lack of diversity in some of the future science-based careers in ag. We don't see a lack of diversity in the science of agriculture, but we see a lack of diversity in our ag education classes. And so one of my thoughts is, I wonder if we also know that as farms and as agriculture progresses, sometimes in ag, it's hard for us that aren't in this future ready production to teach a future ready type agriculture. I was just at the, the research center meeting for North Carolina State yesterday and they're talking about these future-ready farms and what they've got to look like. And they are so technical and so beyond what I could have taught as an ag teacher. And so I wonder if some of that, if we could bring some of that back into our curriculum and get more um, on point with what agriculture is today and that it's not as, you know, it's not as it was 20 years ago. I wonder if that wouldn't build some of the interest and in, in some of the people that are in those careers later might find at home in high school. Um, so I, you know, I think that might be one of those problems. So, oh. so I, 
as you were asking about how do you how do you be more inclusive in your classroom? Every classroom that you you have been a part of and everyone in here have been a part of is about how do you feel included? Do you feel included? And, and so I think it comes back to do you know every student? Um, do you make an effort to get to know who they are, what their interests are, why they took your class in the first place? You know, and then being able to push them toward people, other maybe other chapter members, maybe you know, Brianna Holbrook, national campaign president. I have an African American freshman student in my classroom this year and you know what one of the first things I did was hey do you know who the national Cafe president is this is awesome like you could be her someday you know and so trying to build those types of connections where kids can actually see no matter what race or gen you know gender or LB you know LBT I can't get the acronym right but that they can relate to somebody and if that if that person is just the teacher just me I'm okay with that too as long as they feel safe um, with me. Yeah, I think research has that thing called the mirrors of self, where you've got to be able to see someone to say, like, oh, that is a space for me, too. So that's really helpful. From the outer circle, all right? <laughs> <laughs> no, brave soul, I love it. I, um, I'm a middle school teacher. I need to be a brave soul. Um, but, <laughs> but thinking about what Carolyn had said and that, that concept of ag literacy, um, I'm fortunate in that I teach in a middle school program where if you're not a student in band or chorus you're going to see me for at least nine weeks and so i get to see a bulk of the school population and we are a diverse school in new jersey i mean we serve a military base we serve rural farm kids we serve students from um, developments that, that tend to, to cluster based on on minority populations and so building that literacy and hitting on what you know you talked about helping them see that it's not just the traditional stereotypes that they might have heard or when they first moved into the community and saw the farms and were like oh we're in a you know a rural community helping them see some of those those opportunities that it is some of that science and technology and you know using video clips that engage with drones and robotic milkers and the future of agriculture and finding appropriate materials that show, like Rachel mentioned, that, that role model concept. You know, people engaged in the profession of agriculture with people serving that they can, can relate to, I think is a huge part of helping because if they're seeing people, you know, like themselves engaged in something beyond the traditional agriculture, it helps build that connection. And then also, you know, what Rachel again had said, finding where those students can best use their talents. And I had a young lady and she was active in a um, speech club outside of school. You know, and I found that out because I was talking with her father, you know, and using that, we then worked on her being our creed speaker, you know, and, and it didn't matter to me what, what race she was necessarily, but it was really nice to know that, hey, you know, we could present a face other than, you know, the stereotypical white kid in one of those those speaking events. Yeah, and, and you don't have to point it out. They can just be that yeah. kid, yeah, right? They're just doing mm -hmm. their thing. Hey, I want to unpack a little bit more about what Rachel said because I think a lot of, of, of wisdom was in there about making sure that we're talking to these students as people, as individuals, and recognizing them for what they are. And by no means do, do I claim to have figured this out but I can still remember watching the words that I use 
for any kind of group that I was not part of, and using the word they or them or that group or whatever else, and that only works for force people, because force people are all crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, really? <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have Kate as my one example of crazy I'm, horse people. I will be the spokesperson for all the horse people. Keep ready. <laughs> But you know, I, I think I, I think you gotta go through that and watch the words that you're using because um, I intent, unintentionally was making a person feel unpart of not part of the group because they were not part of a of a, of a group of thing of whatever it was that I was doing. And I'm, I don't know what the answer. I'm so I'm aware of that and trying to figure out a better way to, to bring to watch the language that I use to make people feel included in those kind of groups. But as you guys know, teach middle school or high school or whatever else, these kids seem very, very tough, but they're still kids. And a, a word can cut them pretty quick, and so figure that out. Look. So I was listening to Robin talk about crude speaking, and I teach at an alternative high school that has a high uh, Hispanic population, and over lunchtime I was talking to two other teachers that have ag programs at alternative high schools in Utah and Washington, and Carol from Washington was telling me that Washington just started a Hispanic crude speaking uh, or Spanish-speaking creed contest, and that they've done that at nationals I've seen, but that was the barrier for her students, and so then they felt like the expert. They were able to go to that and feel like they had a one-up and advantage, so that's just a small thing. I mean, it's one more CDE or LDE, but that could make a big difference in, in bringing students from a different background, from a different skill set to, to our organization. So one observation that I found interesting um, Today is like we were saying at the Agate Summit, you know, it was led by all powerful Caucasian white men. Um, and when I started in the profession 10 years ago, the push was we need female ag teachers, we need female ag teachers. <laughs> and then today, at our opening session, 75 students paraded across the stage and only seven were men. So now because we pushed inclusion so hard to get women in the industry, like in 10 years, what's it gonna be? And so, um, it was just an interesting observation that that was really the push and, and now we've almost kind of swung completely opposite and when the next generation of ag teachers comes around, are there going to be what powerful men leading us or is it going to be a really diverse and inclusive um, demographic of our profession? And so I hope that our classrooms probably look different than our leadership roles um, in the profession. So that's a curiosity um, how our profession is leading Inclusion. Well, they, somebody mentioned role models. Come on up. I'm talking about role models. I, I teach with the LA African American I teacher my state, and my kids think that's like nothing. And then we go somewhere and they go, oh, Mr. Thomas, <laughs> you're the only one. And we're like, yeah, we don't care. <laughs> and then he goes to the National Convention and it's like, oh, Mr. Thomas, look. And he's like, shut up and leave me alone. But kids don't have that as role models. They don't see African-American males teaching ag because he has students at our school that he tries to encourage to take ag classes and they're like, whoa, no, I'm not taking ag. That's not what I want to do. It's not that they don't have the role model. He's right there. Hey, Mr. Thomas is awesome. Why don't you take his ag class? Because that generational stereotype of, whoa, I'm an African American, I'm not taking an egg, I've done enough of that years ago, not doing that. I'm like, you are a kid, you've not done anything with that. Yeah. Take an egg and learn some yeah. things. There is a lot of that, though, where the culture is that 
your parents have worked within production ag, your grandparents worked in production ag, and, and we're here for you to do something better with your life. And so it goes back to that, several of you all were talking about that push for modern ag. Like you can be a scientist and that has nothing to do with, you know, with production ag as, as far as like a sweating, boot wearing kind of profession. His sister works for John Deere and he's like, she, she was the smart one. He's like, she's her diversity to her advantage and has some job where she'll make two or three times what I make in a year and she'll make it in one year and I'll make it in 20. Right. So, I mean, but I think that kids do need those role models. But even if they have them, sometimes there's a, a cultural barrier. Well, I think you, you go back to the idea of mirroring. It's the things that we can do. What, if, if you don't have the opportunity to have the, the, the ag teacher to provide that, we can maybe be more intentional about our guest speakers. That you bring, what if we're bringing guest speakers and they can be thinking about how can you bring in a, a variety of folks from, that are guest speakers to show those those variety of ideas from there. Maybe something new. Yeah, so I have a, I guess a question. I, as we're sitting here, because I think, well, I'm, I'm a very inclusive person. You know, I don't, I don't care what you are, who you are, where you're from. I'm equal opportunity, you know. Um, and, but as we're sitting here and I'm thinking about the diversity in my classroom, as I look across, it, you know, I teach four different things, so it depends on what it is, but my intro class to agriculture is probably my most diverse, right? But then I look at the kids that continue in our program and the kids that take on leadership roles in our program through the FFA. And we are very, to echo what you said, if I could get a male officer on our team, I'm like, yes, because we're very strong white females um, on our, in our leadership roles and the, the students that continue in agriculture are mostly Caucasian. And I work in uh, Gilbert, Arizona. It's a very diverse population. Um, so I, what I'm kind of hearing, and I just like to maybe leave with some tools, is what, is it, is it perception? Is it, if you're a Hispanic, that that means that you're gonna be a field picker because that's what my migrant workers in Arizona do? Um, is it that if, if you are African-American that there isn't something? Um, and I don't, I would have done exactly what you talked about doing and using different things to, to make people teach me about their diversity. And I'm kind of awkward sometimes, so I would teach about, um, is it Carver, the, the, the peanut research? And so all the African-American kids would think they had to get peanut research. You know, and so I would be yeah. in the office, yeah. you know? Yep. Yes. So well, what is it, are, am I, is our program failing in, in aggregate literacy that it's that it's opportunity? Are, are we not providing role models? I mean, what do I leave here and go, here's how I'm gonna change my program? I, I think that's something that we all need to think about because we talk about it at a different level. We've been talking about the classroom level, but I know in my home state now of Florida, the students that are enrolled in school-based ag ed programs, we're up to about 40-some percent that are minority, that are in the programs. They're not in the FFA, though. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, and, and then the minorities that we have in the FFA are not active above the chapter level to do that. And so what's happening, what, what are we not creating this culture of, of inclusion to make them feel part of the FFA, be part of moving beyond at that state or national level to do this one? So what, how can we make that? Because that really is, I think, that, that next level step to figure out how, how do we include people all the way through here. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so I'm from Florida, um, very, very central Florida, very diverse, yeah. very diverse population. We're considered like the redheaded stepchild of the county. Mm -hmm. um, I did not feel included. <laughs> 
did when I got to this school was I just listened. I spent a lot of time listening to what my students were saying. And they didn't want to go outside. They didn't want to pull weeds because that's what they thought their culture, the implication was. So what do you guys like? What would be fun? Well, we like to fish. We like to do this. So we started an aquaculture program. So I started with one class of 12 students and had to beg the principal to let me keep it. When I left six years later, we had two classes with 40 to 48 in each period. The most diverse group of students you've ever seen in your whole life. Now I'm taking the retention pond, we would do water sampling tests. Very, very engaged scientific kids. Well then, Florida developed an aquaculture CDE contest. When I showed up, you didn't know what I was going to bring. Because they were engaged. It was not cows. It was not pulling a weed, maintaining a flower bed. It was a production type thing. And we taught a lot of, you can do this on a small scale and be a business owner and very successful. Took them to field trips, to small aquaculture farms. And I think they kind of took an ownership in it and really thought this was something they could excel in, and were really science-driven and motivated. And now we have some of those at University of Florida majoring in water quality. So we need agronomists, we need water quality folks, and again, it was just listening and finding their interest in fishing. Yeah. Going back to what Rachel was saying, you've got to learn that individual student and what those students are there for. You don't have to give everybody everything. The other thing I think we have to realize and I learned this at Indianapolis Mac. Um, I wanted to be inclusive and I wanted to help. Like it was within my being, I wanted to be good, I wanted to be inclusive, I wanted them to understand, I wanted, but when we use the word them, then it starts creating the us versus them, and we do that on accident. And I think it's important, even in this conversation, to recognize that um, there is a pretty homogenous group in the room and we really want to figure out how to help them. <laughs> and I think I always, I think this conversation has to include, if you haven't read Pedagogy of the Oppressed by Paul Fernetti, then you're, there's a whole side to this argument that, that I had never thought about until I read that book. And it's just this concept that we want to help people. And so sometimes we help people because we want to feel better about our practices. But are we really in a place to give up some things? Are we really at a place where we could give up certain cultural traditions or ways that we are comfortable doing things? I enjoyed ag education because it was comfortable for me and my culture. And so what would I be willing to give up? And Paul Fedetti talks about, you know, are you willing to give up some of that? And so that conversation gets complicated, and I think that's part of it, is having the conversation when there are, you know, minority ag teachers that can have that conversation. We didn't even talk today about students with special needs. My chapter, um, we coordinated with the special needs kiddos and their IEPs. They wrote some of their accommodations were included in my um, ag classes, and it was a beautiful marriage. And so there's so many things beyond, you know, there's so many areas where people are trying to feel included. Um, that we haven't even gotten to talk about today. And I think one key we've heard repeatedly is a teacher expressing care and finding interest. And I think to believe that ag is for every kid on earth, I think is also in error. Um, there are things in my high school that I never touched. 
because I just wasn't interested in it. And so I think we have to acknowledge that too. Okay, so Bridget had asked, what do I leave here with? What are some things that I can do? And we always try to bring it back to that as we leave this conversation, because it can go on all day. What could we do? So I would say number one, modernize your curriculum so that the job of agriculture looks broader than what some populations perceive it to be. Yeah, so we heard modern ag, we heard figure out what your students like, your individual students. Marshall, you said pedagogy of the oppressed? Big agree. Okay, I said go join Facebook groups that they might be closed, they might be secret, but as you see them and you think like, oh, they're not for me, join them and then just be a fly on the wall and you can learn so much about different cultures that you would not learn elsewhere in your own closed culture. Brian, you got a top tip? For mine, goes back to kind of what Keith was saying, was listen. So often we try to fix things, we try to feel like I gotta do something, I feel like I've got to, I've got to start something new, I gotta do it. I gotta remind myself, stop, shut up, listen. Stop, collaborate, and listen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that's the big part, is, is listening and find out what that thing is that's gonna, gonna connect with them. And we got to go back to our brothers yesterday in the summit. School-based ag ed, we get caught with what with the what we do. Maybe we need to go back about why we do it. We have FFA, we have classrooms, we have labs for a reason. Maybe we stop doing some of the things we're doing and going back about why we do those things. Y'all, this has been a fantastic conversation. I really do appreciate all of you that participated, all of you that listened. Nobody got them through a chair. Nobody walked out, um, and we do appreciate that. Um, we've got a great infographic that will be posted online as well. And so for Marshall Baker, who is here? Finally, your activity is never here. Now the last here. time we did this, you got you were sick. You were really yes, sick. Thanks. <laughs> we really felt for you. Would like you to describe the situation? <laughs> we're good. We're good. Marshall Baker, Kate Schiller, this is Brian Myers with a group of phenomenal ag leaders here by the Alpella in San Antonio, Texas at the NWE conference. Thank you all for being with us today. Remember, you are ag teachers. You make a difference. Thank you all. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Arkansas's online master's program in agricultural and extension education. I know when I was trying to find a master's program, convenience and quality were top on my priority list. And the agricultural and extension education master's degree at the University of Arkansas provides both. 100% online classes allow you to learn at your own pace when it's convenient for you. Pair that with the opportunity to take classes taught by award-winning faculty at numerous partnering institutions across the nation, and you've got yourself a master's degree that doesn't just get you the pay raise. It will raise your skills in teaching, raise your knowledge of agriculture, and raise your standards for what a quality master's program should be. For more information on becoming an online Razorback through the University of Arkansas's Master's Degree in Agricultural and Extension Education, contact me, Kate Shoulders, at 479-575-3799 or check us out at aect.uark.edu. That's aect.uark.edu. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our webpage for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Be sure to follow Al Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It would also be great for you to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, 
We ask that you please take a moment and comment on our podcast so others can find it as well. So for Kate and Marshall, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet saying thanks and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.